Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Equip You Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And with us today is my friend and our brother in Christ, Jim. Jim, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's great to great to talk with you. Uh, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your life, marriage, ministry, and what are you working on ministry project-wise? Yeah, I've been, uh, I, I lived in North Idaho my entire life. I'm up uh, near the uh, U.S.-Canadian border up there in the Idaho Panhandle, the part of the state of Idaho that looks like the barrel of the gun. And uh, I have lived here my entire life since I was, well, not my entire life, but since I was three. Actually, my family goes back a long ways here. I pastored the church that was instrumental in my salvation since 1996, and I've uh, been doing that since uh, that time, and the church has grown, and and uh, the Lord has blessed the ministry here, which I'm very grateful for, and it's got a great church body, um, and uh, I've been married since 1993. <clears throat> I have four children, all of whom are married and moved out of the house, and three of them have children of their own. I have four grandchildren, and uh so I'm just an expository teacher up here in a small church in rural North Idaho and been doing that now for close to going on now 30, 30 years, approaching 30 years here soon. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. awesome, brother. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to the word and, and to well, our Savior. So may the Lord wonderful. be glorified. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I know you're an author of many books. Um, can you tell us about them and uh, where people can get them? Yeah, all my books are available on Amazon.com. I don't have, uh, I'm, they're all self-published, not through a conventional publishing house. Um, I have four books, uh, all of which deal in some measure, uh, well, three of the four actually deal with the sufficiency of scripture and certain charismatic emphasis. So my first book, Truth the Territory, A Biblical Approach to Spiritual Warfare, uh, that was um, a book in response to a lot of the some of the deliverance, deliverance ministry, false teaching, as well as the spiritual warfare movement to deal with uh, binding Satan and praying hedges of thorns and canceling generational curses and a lot of that uh, mystical kind of nonsense that goes on in charismatic circles around the spiritual warfare practices. That book uh, critiques that and offers a, a biblical approach to spiritual warfare. My second book was Selling the Stairway of Heaven to Heaven, which deals with, uh, it's actually a book review of 90 Minutes in Heaven by uh, John uh, Don Piper, not John Piper, Don Piper. Um, heaven is for Real by the Burpos and um, Proof of Heaven by Eben Alexander. And that deals with the, the heaven visitation theology, which is prominent within charismatic circles. You, you get guys in the charismatic circles that will claim to have had visions of Jesus and gone and taken trips to heaven and learned things in heaven, etc., and then the third book is The Prosperity of the Wicked, which is a study of Psalm 73, sort of an exposition of Psalm 73. And then my fourth book is uh, God Doesn't Whisper, and that deals with the hearing the voice of God, emphasis and movement, like how does God speak to us? Should, be waiting, should we be waiting and listening for promptings and nudgings and impressions and still small voices and private revelation? And uh, so those are my four books. Right now I've got, I'm hoping by the end of next month to have a fifth book out called God Doesn't Try which is a defense of the sovereignty of God and the life of individual Christians, the church and the cosmos. And um, that's going to basically kind of be a, an app, very applicable 
um, book that deals with the sovereignty of God and how it applies to various aspects of our lives. And um, yeah, those are the five books. And and right now I'm kind of I'm working on a, another book on discipline and exposition of Hebrews 12. And I'm studying a book, uh, studying for a book I want to write on the deliverance ministry and the exorcism demon slayer group that's currently uh, coming into vogue within evangelical circles. Yeah, all, all of that is really important, especially as we know, and we've exchanged some emails about this, uh, and we'll we'll talk about this more. But you know, this this deliverance thing is uh, it's an issue, you know. We know that it's not a new issue, but it's come out of not out of the blue, but it's it's it seemed to come in. I guess we could say, following this kind of example, bloom, if you will, it's come it's come into full bloom, uh, or is coming into full bloom today. So I I think that we really have to be um, helping the church to to speaking out about it. I know that you've been doing that, so um, I I've only been doing that for about a year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a big concern. And the more that you talk yeah. about it, the more they, they seem to want to take shots, um, like Pagani and others. Um, yeah, they, they do. It's, it's really, I mean, back in, you know, I'm old enough to remember back when deliverance was all the rage back in the 1980s, early 1990s. And you had guys like Mike Warnke and Rebecca Brown and Bob Larson who'd carry around his big thick 1611 King James Bible and his big solid cross and his anointing oil and, and be out casting demons out of everything that anything that moved and a lot of things that didn't. Um, and then it sort of fell out of favor for a bit, you know, 25 or so years here. And now it's kind of come back again with a vengeance. And I have some friends, the friend, my friends of mine who made the cessationist movie, they call it the algorithm revival. Basically these guys have found a way to use uh, social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram to create this illusion of this deliverance revival. And so now you have guys like Alexander Pagani and Joseph Prince and Jeremiah Johnson, some of these books like this and Pagani's book, Secrets to Deliverance. And you have some of those guys taking the deliverance theology and, <clears throat> and making deliverance great again is what they're trying to do. And of course they have these big uh, tent, tent revivals and Greg Locke and, and his group down there and in, in uh, they're, doing exorcisms, you know, weekly and having these deliverance ministry events. And they go to Dallas recently. They had a big deliverance session in Dallas. And then they had mass deliverance too in Dallas because apparently it wasn't enough to go down and deliver everybody once. And so there's a, there's a theology there that needs to be answered and an approach to spiritual warfare and demonology that needs to a biblical, some biblical paradigm. And uh, I'm, I want to write a book to address a lot of that. And they do, they, they will take shots at you. They, they definitely do. Um, if you critique them and uh, and they, they don't like it, Greg Locke, you can see his response. He's a very angry man. He gets angry at guys like Justin Peters and John MacArthur and others who would critique his theology. And, and yet there's the serial abuse of scripture and the bad, I mean, horrible exegesis and then uh, aberrant theology needs to be answered. Yeah, exactly. Not to mention the outright spiritual abuse of people made in the image of likeness of God. You know, yeah. and and his statements on you know mental uh, people who have mental uh, illness and 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 so much more. So, but um, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but that's okay. Uh, when did you first become concerned about the New Apostolic Reformation? What concerns you most about this movement today, brother? Well, I I first became concerned about it when I first heard about it before I, before the New Apostolic Reformation was a thing. Of course, you had the Word of Faith movement. 
And before that was the thing, you had the charismatic movement. And it seems like every iteration of this theology gets worse and worse in terms of their their claims of the supernatural and, and their anointing of false teachers. So I, I first became concerned with charismatic theology back in Bible college in the early 1990s. I, I graduated high school in 1990 and went to Bible college. And within a couple of years, I was exposed to charismatic theology and I had my concerns. Now, interestingly enough, while I was at Bible college, I was at the same time very open to the spiritual warfare movement and practiced some of those things that I critique in my book, Spiritual on, on spiritual warfare, truth and territory. And I also believed in hearing the voice of God and waiting for private whispers and revelations as well. Those were practices that I was disabused of eventually through sound teaching at Bible college. And, and I gave those up. And so those are subjects that I address in two of my four books. But then I started getting exposed after, after Bible college to word of faith and kind of get uh, understanding what that was. Uh, mainly through the ministry of the uh, CRI, the Christian Research Institute, and Hank Hanegraaff, who wrote a book, Christianity in Crisis. He was the first one, I'm not sure if he was the first one to address it, but he was the first one that I saw address it. And so I read that book and thought, oh, this is this is charismatic theology on steroids. And and then most recently you get the, uh, the um, coming to the fore, the New Apostolic Reformation, which is uh, word of faith theology taken to its logical conclusion and and uh, so that uh, I've been concerned about it since I first heard about it and watched uh, sort of word of faith theology blossom into the NAR theology. Yeah, that's that's really good. You know, again, I'm I'm much newer to that particular uh, discussion. Um, I think I became first aware of it in 2012 with Bethel. And then then I was like, nah, that's that's not going to take hold. And then, oh, my gosh, was I wrong? I was really wrong yeah. on that, you know. Bethel just kind of exploded, and then then I wasn't paying attention, and uh, then it was like 2018 or so. I started seeing this everywhere, and that's like, yeah. there's no way. Like, what was that? Oh, then I remembered. Oh yeah, you looked into that um, years ago, and and here it is. It's it's not only now where we're at, but like especially on the music side of things, it's it's metastasized now where. You can't even hardly have a song or that's not influenced by Bethel or Elevation yeah. or on and on and on, you know, as Christianity Today has reported. So, yeah, it's amazing how much of the the influencers in Bethel and uh, the Napstock Reformation have sort of insinuated themselves into the lives and ministries of otherwise very orthodox churches, even cessationist churches will use a lot of their music in their worship services. And, and that is a danger because that music becomes a gateway to the theology. You know, you see the words up on the on the screen there, and then you notice down at the bottom the the, the attributes, the attribution of that of that song to Bethel and Hillsong, and people are like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, I was at school and I heard this person listen to this, or my other friend who goes to another church, they listen to this music, and so if we're singing their music, their music must be okay, and so then they start singing, the, then they get exposed to the the worship albums, and they buy the music and start listening to it, and of course. Some of the theology is is orthodox in terms of its. I mean, I think it's banal, but it's it's orthodox in terms of not over, overtly heretical. But then you also have songs that are overtly heretical that, that teach a, a different theology regarding the kingdom and the end times and and our dominion and what we're to do to Satan and what we are in Christ, etc. And they these become uh, aberrant at best and heretical at worst. And and the people your people are exposed to that because you put the lyrics of those heretical bands up on the screen at church and wanted to sing their banal worship music. 
So that uh, that is really the danger of of allowing that inside of your church in any form is that it exposes people to it, and then it becomes a gateway into false doctrine and heresy. What would you say, you know, to the average Christian? You know, they're they're concerned about this movement. What? Why should they? Why should they? How should they speak out against it? And and how can they arm themselves really against this? I would point people to the ministry of Justin Peters, our, our brother in Christ there with his, uh, and just Justin Peters, you can find him online, his YouTube channel. He addresses a lot of that doctrine. I would point people to Justin and say, you should be watching his YouTube videos and following his ministry and giving to it if you can, but certainly uh, paying attention to what he is exposing there because you this, this movement changes so fast and there's so many new people who come into it all the time. Justin gives his seminar in churches almost every month of the calendar year and it's new every time he gives it because there is so much new nonsense on the horizon. It's difficult to keep up with it. And Justin does. He watches all of that. He exposes it. He critiques it. He offers a biblical perspective. So I would say if you want to be well-armed and, and discerning, you should follow Justin's ministry and, and listen to what he's doing because he's he's listening to these guys, the cutting edge, the, the new group of teachers who are coming up in this movement. A lot of the old guard, guys like Kenneth Copeland and, and, uh, and others are, are sort of uh, I shouldn't say they're passing away, but they are they are losing influence and and they're losing influence to some of the new guys. And there's a lot of names that come on the scene that I'm not even familiar with. Justin will text me. Have you ever heard of this guy? I, was like, oh, I haven't heard of that guy, but he he has. He knows it. So follow him. Uh, stay abreast of it as best as you can by watching what Justin does and and ground yourself theologically. Be in a good church so that you're able to discern truth from error and uh, your regular exposure to the preaching of the word. Um, and in terms of speaking out against it, I think, you know, there's a, there's a part of us orthodox, discerning, Bible-believing people that want to come out and just critique it every time we see it everywhere and engage people in arguments. I think the best way to address that is when you see people expose that movement, start to ask questions about their theology. What do you like about that? What do you think about that? Are you aware that this guy also teaches this? And and what do you do with this this doctrine and this false prophecy and this false prophet? And are you aware that that you know they promote X, Y, and Z? And ask the questions and try and point people to sound doctrine. And and mostly, I would encourage people to take good resources like Justin and uh, Grace to You, John MacArthur's ministry, and others who address some of the stuff and 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 just hand hand those resources to people so they can be exposed to good solid teaching. Yeah. Well, another another resource I would point people to is the American Gospel uh, TV, uh, American Gospel videos. If you haven't seen that, AG one and two, you should watch those videos. That will go a, a good way toward equipping you to understand the issues at play. And and then of course I would recommend anything that AG TV, it's American Gospel Television, produces online on their streaming service. They've got some great stuff there that uh, you should avail yourself of. Yeah, that's a great answer. ADTV is great. And Justin is uh, an incredible resource. You know, I can't recommend him enough. You know, as as I've spoken about this, I, I hear about Justin all the time. I mean, yeah. all the time. I mean, thank you. Thank him. Or, you know, if you see him, thank him for me. Or, you know, I'm like, well, I haven't seen him in since 2018. Yeah. So, you know, if when I talk to him, I'll say thank you to, you know, X number X number of times, you know, for you. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's amazing how the Lord, you know, and it's it's always not like, oh, you know, it's not about Justin. It's about, you know, how the Lord yeah. has used him. It's and even people yep. will say, we're not I'm not hero worshiping or lifting up Justin, but just so thankful that for his boldness, for his courage, for yep. his 
clarity. And, and, uh, so, you know, I, I echo that a hundred thousand percent, you know, we're, we're so thankful for his courage and boldness and, you know, it's, it's hard as somebody who also watches those videos. It is, it is so hard. It's, it's so discouraging. In fact, I, I regularly am talking to those speaking out against the NAR and modern day deliverance ministry, um, you know, they're speaking about out against this movement. They're watching those videos. Um, do you have any encouragement for those like yourself and, and myself and, and others who, who are speaking out, but they get discouraged, uh, you know, watching those videos or even by the continual negative response of those who oppose biblical truth? Yeah, I would just remind you that God is building his church and he's not going to fail in doing that. He's going to gather in all his elect. He's going to bring them to himself. He's going to be successful in it. Not one person whom the Father has given to the Son is going to be lost. Now, that confidence in the salvation of all God's people and our ultimate security and, and sanctification is not something that should cause us to be apathetic towards those who are lost in error, because our job is to continue to proclaim the truth. And I know that there are pastors who have been out there pastoring longer than I have and proclaiming the truth in, in smaller settings and smaller venues and larger venues, etc. And it is easy to get discouraged when you see you know, people leaving your church for the flashy mega church on the corner that has all the Bethel and Hillsong stuff and the claims of the supernatural. It, it's easy to get discouraged. And that can be very, um, very downheartening to a, a faithful shepherd who just wants to love his people and see them uh, grounded in the truth and, and raised up and rooted in sound doctrine. And I would say, just keep your eyes, look into the Savior, trust that God is going to sanctify his people out of error and uh, it may be that they went out from us because they were never really of us. If they go after the false doctrine and the false teachers and are caught up by the, the flashiness and the, the, of that movement and the spectacular claims, it might be that that was just the way of the Lord uh, was taking them out of your ministry so that that error and false doctrine would not be propagated amongst your own people. We've had at Kootenai in our church a number of what I call blessed subtractions, people over the years who have left and then you realize later on, that was a good thing that the Lord removed them and took them out of here. And and sometimes you just need the 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 time to get that perspective to see that God is still doing his work and and he brings you the people that he wants you to have at the time that he wants you to have them. And he raises just as he raises up kings and puts down kings, so he raises up churches and puts down churches. And and we have to be comfortable with what God has given to us and and continue to preach the truth and, and knowing that when we have finished our race and crossed the finish line, that we will receive the reward that's been promised. That's a, that's a great word. Great encouragement. Great encouragement. You know, one of the things that I just often say is it doesn't matter about like to them is to these, to my friends are speaking out against it. It's like, it doesn't matter that we are all prone to this idea, this mentality. It can become about numbers. So how big is your YouTube? How many people are reaching yeah. to your podcasts and whatever. And it, it's just too easy, you know, um, yeah. to, to do that. And we just have to remember, like you're saying, it's not about the numbers. Are we being faithful to the word? Are we being faithful yeah. to Christ? Then, then people are going to be helped by that. And God's going to use that because we know that he uses the, the faithful teaching of his word, whether that's writing podcasts, preaching, whatever, he's going to use that and carry it into people's lives and open people's eyes to the truth and, uh, make disciples and, and all of that. So we just have to be faithful and, and trust yeah. that the Lord is, you know, at work you know, in us and then through us to, to help other people. So early in ministry, I heard uh, something John MacArthur said, we said, you worry about the depth of your ministry and let God worry about the breadth of your ministry. And that is, that should be in the book of Proverbs somewhere. That is so, 
so helpful. It is so true that you just, a lot of times guys try to build a platform and they try and get reach and extend their reach and get their numbers up. And, and I think that the opposite is what we should be involved in is just worry about preaching and teaching scripture, being faithful to it. And, you know, um, working on the spiritual gift that's been given to you and develop that and develop depth to your ministry and, and shepherd the people that you have and stay focused and stay faithful and, and let God deal with what he does with that beyond the walls of your own congregation. Amen, brother. You know, you like me among many others are, you know, we're outspoken critics of modern day deliverance ministry. What are your concerns with this movement and why should Christians be concerned about it? Oh man, I have uh, Christians should be concerned about it because it, it is an attack upon the truth of scripture and it undermines the sufficiency of scripture. That's the, I think the bottom line. I have a number of concerns with the deliverance ministry, not the least of which is their teaching that Christians can be demonized. And though they would not say demon possessed, they would say demonized. Biblically, there is no difference between the two. Uh, so they would claim that Christians can have demons. In fact, Alexander Pagani in his book, uh, The Secrets to Deliverance here, he talks about how Christians can have demons living in like 90 rooms inside of their soul, 90 different places. He talks about Christians, in fact, in the very last chapter, he talks about Christians having demons in their blood, in their breasts, in the fat of their bodies, in their hands, their hips, their joints, their knees, their lungs, the neck, the seed, that is their semen, the shoulders, the sinews, the skeleton, the stomach, the tissue, the unpresentable parts. And he offers, I mean, each of these places are places where demons can reside. In his book, he talks about demons dwelling inside of your nose and that Usually the sign of a runny nose or sneezing is the sign that demons are active in your nose. This is patently unbiblical nonsense. And anybody who has two brain cells to rub together and even a modicum of discernment should be able to see that Pagani in his book is abusing scripture, twisting scripture in the worst possible way. Uh, he talks about demons residing in your anus, particularly if you have homosexual desires. And I'm not making this stuff up. This is in his book, uh, The Secrets to Deliverance. So that type of teaching is patently unbiblical for one. It, it, it relies upon a uh, it relies upon a serial abuse of the scriptural text. The, the entire deliverance ministry, another concerning thing, the entire deliverance ministry rests upon a, a extra biblical revelation. If they didn't believe, if they were cessationists, uh, they wouldn't believe in any of the deliverance ministry nonsense. Because in order to believe that you can know the names of demons and the body parts in which they dwell. All of this requires the spirit revealing stuff to you in the moment regarding a, a deliverance experience. So for them, they're getting personal revelation about who has what demon. And Pagani talks about that in his book too. If I had the time, I could flip through here and come up with the quotes, but he talks about the spirit revealing new things to the church about deliverance and where demons can inhabit and new, new techniques and, and new ways of casting out demons and new things that you should say. So it's all based upon extra biblical revelation, not the biblical text. What they do is they take verses of scripture and they attach it to their already constructed demon theology. And, and like in his book here, where he talks about the demons dwelling inside of your blood, he just quotes a, a, a Bible verse that talks about blood. And to him, that's evidence that demons can dwell in your blood, even though that's not what scripture teaches. So it's based upon extra biblical revelation. I think it gives far too much credit and credence and, and power to demons in people's lives and Satan. Satan is a deleted foe. I think it is built upon an unbiblical theology of, of, on the authority that we have in Christ. They would make the claim that because we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places and Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father and all authority has been given to him, that he therefore delegates that all of that authority to us 
in this physical realm, and we are to use that authority to perform the miraculous and even to do exorcisms and to cast out Satan and to, to bind Satan and to take back all of the territory that Satan has taken. So there's a, a ton of problems with the entire deliverance ministry. And I think primarily the biggest one, the biggest concerning one for me is the teaching that Christians can have these demons and they are always in need of these deliverance ministry experts, the Greg Locks, the Alexander Paganis, the Jeremiah Johnsons, etc., cetera, uh, in order to give them true and free deliverance. And, and in their books, they talk about how the, the true deliverance is, is wrought through these exorcisms. And that's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that true deliverance comes when you are saved and born again and regenerated by the Spirit of God, and you are in God's family. When Christ saves you, He delivers you from the kingdom of darkness and puts you in the kingdom of His Son. And no further deliverance is necessary. Now we are now we are commanded to walk in truth. Another, oh, another issue that I have with deliverance ministry is they misdiagnose the problems with our sin. So Pagani and others would say that our any sin that you have, whether it's lust or pride or anger or wrath or malice or discontentment or greed or selfishness or gossip, that these all of these sins are the result of demons living in you and causing you to sin. Scripture doesn't teach that. Scripture teaches that these sins are the, are the fruits of the flesh, they're the deeds of the flesh. And so for the deliverance ministry expert, the solution to the, the 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 habitual sins in our lives and these these sins that we commit is to go have a demon delivered from us, taken to have us delivered from a demon, having a demon exercised from us. Biblically, the response to that sin that indwells us is to mortify, to put to death the flesh, and to walk in the power of the spirit, saying no to our fleshly desires and mortifying and putting them to death and yielding our members as instruments of righteousness instead of instruments of unrighteousness. That's Romans six and learning to obey, uh, learning to obey righteousness so that we might become a slave of righteousness. So they misdiagnose the entire sin issue. They have a, a, a an unbiblical view of sanctification and holiness and what it means to pursue holiness and an unbiblical view of what we uh, need to be delivered from and how to be delivered so that's um, and that's all I can think of just off the top of my head. I'm sure if I had a couple more minutes, I could come up with more. But it is it is a horrible movement, entirely unbiblical. Well, that's that's uh, extremely well said, and uh, you definitely said a whole mouthful there, brother. So uh, I mean, really, really, what you're touching on though is it is a, a real pat. What a real pastor is is somebody who warns the flock to guard the flock. Uh, we're, we're told that in uh, Titus 1.9, right? Uh, we're, we're to correct yeah. opponents. To refute and, those who contradict. Exactly. 2 Timothy yeah. 2, 2, 24 and 25, we're to correct with patience. Uh, patience is the fruit of the Spirit. But these these people, they take even like uh, – the, they sound good. They take a, maybe 80 – we'll even give the benefit of the doubt here. We'll say 80%. It's not 80%. But they'll get some percentage of whatever that is right. And it's the the rest of that percentage that you have to really watch for because you'd hear something that you might you might say. And then it's the, what's the rest of the sentence? You know, and that's where Pagani, yeah. that's where Pagani, he can play what I call word salad all day long. And he can say one thing that sounds good on the one side out of his mouth, and then the, oh, the other is playing Jekyll and Hyde. And he's playing both sides. And then, you know, in interviews, he'll do the same thing, just using Alexander mm-hmm. Pagani as, as one one example, since we're used him, you used him as an example. You know, he did that on Remnant Radio. He does that on his YouTube, you know, and then he then he cut. Well, I never said I never said that, it, that you know, Christians can give up their legal rights and all of this and that. And it's like, actually, uh, 
you have you said it in yeah. your teaching you've said it in your books i don't know how many times we have to use examples and by the way when i use examples in videos i use a whole section so i'll use like four or five minutes because i don't want anybody to say hey you know yeah. you're you're not you're not giving somebody in context because like in seminary you have to quote you know in context that doesn't mean you have to quote like a whole block section, you know, but like you have to quote in context and considering the argument and being fair to the person that you're dealing with. And and that's the same thing that we're trying to do to be to be fair, to be honest, but also we have to correct when when these people are going on. I mean, that and this isn't even the, the only thing that he says that's that's so egregious. You know, he attacks people who are reformed and. You know all of that, and 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 mu and much more, as as we know. And I just think it's I just think it's so tragic. Why 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 can't you just say what you mean and mean what you say? You know, uh, what what yeah, about because Alexander about Alexander Pagani doesn't know what he doesn't know what he believes. I mean, he came out and tried to correct some statement that he made about the Trinity that sound awfully anti-trinitarian and modalistic. So he comes out and he makes an affirmation of the doctrine of the. The Trinity that's about, uh, I don't know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. You're like, okay, well, that does sound Trinitarian. And then he turns right around and slips right back into modalism. He has never been taught. He does not understand exegesis. He doesn't understand how to handle scripture, how to interpret scripture. Hermeneutics, I don't even know if the guy could spell hermeneutics. He's got, you, you, you see that as you go through his book, is the serial abuse of scripture, the uh, prototype timing that he, he lays out in his book. He, he takes... He takes Ezekiel to give you an example of how how he abuses Scripture. He takes the the temple in Ezekiel forty and following uh, Ezekiel's prophecy there, which I think is an end times temple. I don't think it was Solomon's temple. I think it was an end times temple. So uh, he takes the description there of that temple and he says that it's Solomon's temple. And then he takes these little phrases from it and he likens it to the body to the temple, which is our body. So he says, since we're called a temple. And Ezekiel mentions a temple, therefore there must be a one-to-one -one correspondence between these two things. So then he talks about the rooms of Ezekiel's temple, and so that how must then the Spirit revealed to him that that signifies rooms in our temple. This is how he treats Scripture, and and he just and then he uses that to construct this entire theology of how demons inhabit us, control us, affect us, and influence us. And it's just he, he is he is untaught. He is like a two-year-old swinging a hammer when it comes to the use of scripture. Sometimes he hits a nail. Sometimes he hits a, a glass window and he just has no idea what he is doing when it comes to reading and interpreting and handling the word of God. And I, I, I would be fearful to stand in the Lord's presence by with as him on the day of judgment, because uh, teachers will be held to a higher standard, James chapter three, verse one. And he's out there teaching saying that he's teaching scripture he's out there abusing scripture in his books and in his lectures and and he has no idea what he is doing yeah and he's teaching people theology that's the that's the horrific part of it he, he, people are, are lapping this up and they think that he is teaching sound doctrine and he's not he doesn't understand the difference between trinitarianism and modalism so he can get up and he can talk about how he's trinitarian he believes in sola scriptura and then turn right around and teach modalism and deny the sufficiency of scripture and he doesn't see any conflict between those various positions because he can't discern them, can't discern the conflict. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He doesn't know what he doesn't know the meaning of the words because he's never been taught. No, you know, and you know that's why that's why he has to be taught. And he'll even say things like, "I scan videos where I'm mentioned or whatever." They all scan the videos. It's like, well, why don't you sit there and watch the videos? Yeah. You no, know, 
we're watching what you have to say. Why don't you learn from what people are saying? Because it's not a personal attack when somebody's taking the time to engage your actual words. That's an actual accepted way, like I said, in, in school. And that's what they do in yeah. school. They deal with arguments and the substance of the argument. If the argument doesn't stand, then you have to start all over. Yeah, but that's, that, right. that's that's why we have an educational system. You know, it's it's an acceptable way to engage, and it's an acceptable way for Christians to engage with false teachers. And and so, yeah. you know, that's all that we're doing. And these guys just take it as a personal attack. They they write it off, and we're not we're not even doing it for their benefit. But it would be nice if they if they want to be taken seriously by other people. You know, rather than just you know spoon feeding people whatever they want to say, which is all that they're doing. That's all they're yeah. doing. The single rallies, the domino revival, come out in Jesus' name, whatever. It's all about what they think and what they have to say. And, and even I watched hours of this domino revival thing. I mean, it was like Don Hill and I watched like 10 hours or more and, and interviews that they did. It was just so – it became so apparent to me. This These guys are just saying whatever they want to say. The first thing that comes to their mind, that's all they're saying. has nothing to do with the Bible, has nothing to do with the good of the people under their care, under their charge um, as shepherds. It just has to do with whatever they think, whatever they say. They're just going to spew it out like you mentioned, yeah. um, extra biblical revelation um it's 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 tragic it's heart-wrenching it's and it's hard yeah. it's hard to watch well you don't have to deal with your critics if you're hearing directly from god that that really is the theology behind it since they since they have a direct connection to god and the spirit's revealing these things to them and using them in these ways they are quote-unquote apostles they are the leaders they are above critique and 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 you can't you know what does somebody like you or me who believes in just we all we have is our bible what could, do we have to say to somebody like them? And they've got the direct line, the bat phone to the Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit's just downloading information to them constantly. So, you know, they can, anything that they say that's heretical, blasphemous, or in error, they can just blame on the Spirit of God. They get it in Revelation. I don't, they don't have to answer for it. They didn't come up with it. Uh, so that's, that's, there's really a theology there that makes them, in their own minds, immune from criticism, and they don't have to deal with their critics. Yeah, that's really good, brother. You know, I, I hear all the time from people who are coming out from this, from this modern day deliverance ministry, they're starting to wake up, they're realizing, of course, I get attacked as well from people that are in the movement, but I yep. hear from people that are coming out of the new Apostolic Reformation, coming out of deliverance, they want to find good churches, they they even, I get them plugged into biblical, with biblical counselors, you know, all of that is a praise, very thankful for that, but what would you say to those coming out of this these movements, the New Apostolic Reformation, Modern Day Deliverance, about the kinds of resources they should look for, and especially what they should look for in a local church. Uh, kinds of resources, you want to get some good books and and expose yourself to some good podcasts. Uh, I mentioned Justin's uh, The Grace Life Pulpit with Phil Johnson and Mike Riccardi is a great resource. Grace to Use podcasts, Grace to Use materials are excellent. Uh, American Gospel, again, to repeat that. Um, in terms of a, how to select a good church, you must find yourself a church that exposits the scripture. You must find yourself a pastor, a church that takes the word of God, opens it up on a Sunday morning and takes a unit of thought in there and gives an exposition and explanation of that text in its context and does this from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. That should be the normal course of biblical exposition in a church service. There will be times when a church might do a series on 
worship or prayer or the Holy Spirit or angels or theology or God's sovereignty or something where they would take different passages and kind of put together a topical series. That should not be the standard fare. You should find a church that is used to opening up the Gospel of John and going from John 1-1 to the end of John chapter 21 and, and doing that over the course of several years, working through those passages of Scripture. That should be the normal diet in that church. And if you if you are sitting in a church where all you're exposed to is you know, nine secrets to personal happiness and 10 steps to a better job and 15 cures for a failing marriage. And, and all you get is this topical tripe offered up to you Sunday after Sunday. You should find a place where you are not exposed to that, that you don't have to endure that. Get out and find an expositor of the word. Find a church that is sound in doctrine, that exposits the scripture, that is led by biblically qualified elders. Uh, not deacons, not one man, not a church committee, not women, no female pastors. Find yourself a, a church that is led by a biblical plurality of elders, multiple elders in a single location, and a pastor who exposits the word. And if you can get those things right, there may be a lot of few other things about the church that, you know, irk you or kind of get under your skin or they're not quite what you would want or what you'd hope for. Give it some time. Go there. Serve. Worship. Give. Pray. Contribute. Be part of that body get plugged in, get taught. That would be my counsel. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. And, and even maybe you could just touch on, you know, what, as, you know, as a pastor, as you, you know, counsel people that are coming into the church, you know, um, what, what should they, what should they care about? You know, the, the, should they focus just on the values of the church and the doctrine of the church? Should they set aside their preferences, you know, over matters of worship and, and various other things? You know, maybe you could say something like that because a lot of people do leave the church because they prioritize, you know, their preferences above, uh, doctrine. Yeah. Um, if you, your preferences should be for the serial exposition of scripture, and by serial, I mean beginning at the beginning of the book and going to the end of the book, the serial exposition of Scripture, week after week after week, day, week in, week out, open up the Bible, explain the Bible, close the Bible. That's That should be your preference. And if you are uh, upset with a church because, you know, they've they've got movable chairs instead of pews or you don't like the lighting or, uh, you know, you wish the sound system was better or the worship is not quite as vibrant as you might want or whatever – you can go to other places that will offer you all kinds of creature comforts, but you will, your soul will starve. Now, obviously, if you can get a church where the theology is great, the leadership is great, the preaching is great, and everything else is great, then and that's great. But if you have to prioritize, it should, be, it should be answering this question, how does the person or the people who stand behind the pulpit, how do they handle the Word of God? That's it. That is the number one concern. What do they do with the Word of God? How prominent and preeminent is the word of God in this worship service. Is it, is it read without apology? Is biblical doctrine sung without apology? Is it preached without apology? Um, how do they handle the word of God? Do they shy away from anything that is controversial or, or tough or difficult and avoid those topics? Or do they plow right into it and just present what the truth is and let the chips fall where they may? You want to have somebody in the pulpit who is able to do that with grace and truth combined, a loving heart, obviously, you're not just looking for somebody who's going to pistol whip you every week with the truth, but somebody who's going to shepherd your heart with the truth and present the truth as as plainly and as, as powerfully as they possibly can. And not every pastor is going to be a John MacArthur or Steve Lawson and have that kind of a, a polished presentation and ability. They are unique and skilled and gifted men that 
that uh, fortunately for us, we can see online and we have exposure to them. But the unfortunate aspect of it is it creates within us this discontentment with our local pastor. And oh, man, if only he preached like Phil Johnson, or if only he preached like John MacArthur, and, and if only he could handle that like Steve Lawson. Well, yeah, I mean, those, it would be great if he could do that, but not every man's gifted that way. But when he stands in the pulpit, does he stand as a man under the word of God, desiring to feed his people the word of God? And how does he handle it? Does he abuse it? Does he misinterpret it? Does he twist it? Does he avoid the difficult things? Or does he teach scripture faithfully and handle it accurately? That's what you should be looking for. Amen, brother. Amen. I don't care what the parking is like. I don't care what the parking lot is like. I don't care how far you have to walk. I don't care what the seating is like, how clean the nursery is, how often they have potlucks. I don't care about any of those things. Get your priorities straight. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, where can people go to find out more about you on your on your website or on social media? Uh, social media can be found on Twitter, uh, Jim Osman II on Twitter at the Facebook page as well. Uh, you can go to jimosman.com, J-I-M-O-S-M-A-N.com. That has my books, that has ministry updates, uh, some media appearances there, links to the church website. But I would point people primarily to our church website, kootenaichurch.org, K-O-O-T-E-N-A-I church.org. And people could go to that, and that has links to sermons and information about my books. And and uh, those those two places kind of, if you have a hard time spelling Kootenai or remembering Kootenai, just remember jimosman.com. Good answer, brother. Well, you know, there's a lot that we could talk about about all of these things. We really only have scratched the surface, as I always say. Yeah. Uh, can you give us a few takeaways as we land the plane on this conversation, brother? I think one thing to remember is that the modern deliverance ministry, the new apostolic reformation, is a movement that is based upon the view of uh, of taking back territory from Satan. And this is what I deal with, at, at least in, in my book, Truth of Territory. I don't get too much into the modern deliverance ministry in there, though I do have a chapter on can demons be Christians be demon-possessed and what about exorcisms and authority. And so I do touch on some of those issues. But it, it, the modern deliverance ministry and spiritual warfare ministry movement is built upon the idea that Satan has taken territory, and we need to reclaim that, whether that's reclaiming family bloodlines or reclaiming people or taking back physical locations and territory or casting out demons. It's all based upon the idea that we need to secure back this territory. And I promote, and I think Scripture teaches a, a truth approach to spiritual warfare, that we are to be involved in proclaiming the truth, defending the truth, and sharing the truth. And, and when we do that, we are engaged in real spiritual warfare, because the devil is the father of lies, and he distorts the truth and, and shades the truth and makes people uh, uh, um, takes people away from the truth. And our job is to win the battle for the hearts and minds of people as we preach and proclaim the truth, uh, to make men disciples of the one who is the truth, so that they will bow the knee to the truth. We are involved in a truth war, not a territory war. <laughs> Amen, brother. That is so good. Well, guys, we've been talking today with my friend and our brother in Christ, Jim Osman. Jim, thank you so much for coming on Equipping You in Grace today. We're thankful for yeah. your ministry and your bold stand uh, for the word. And uh, thank, thank you, you for thank you for your work there in northern Idaho. Um, it's a needed ministry there. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful part of the United States. Uh, so thank you. For, we're thankful for how the Lord continues to use you, brother. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter 
at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.